0: The George Wilder Jr. Show is now on the air. The George Wilder Jr. Show is now on the air. internet radio show making a world a better place one show at a time the george water jr show is now on the air take it away dad
1: all right welcome to the george water jr show everybody
0: thank you you so much for tuning in listening and being a part of it thank you for being a dedicated uh listener to the show and um that's always appreciated. The George Wilder Jr. Show is now on the air. <laughs> uh, wow, well, uh, it, it's just so fun. It's just, wow, my tongue is tired. I can't talk. It is just so fun, much fun doing the show, and I enjoy it all the time. Uh, as long as I know you're out there and you're listening, because it, if it wasn't for you, it wouldn't be here. You know, I know I got supporters of the show. I know I do not have certain supporters supporters at the show, that's fine. That's beautiful. That's the way of the world. Um, in some cases, you have to uh, you know, you, you have to kind of uh, earn your support. Some In some areas of, in some areas I've earned it. In some areas I probably have not earned it, but I'm still working on it. All right. Anything goes on the George Walter Jr. Show. I'm, I'm uh, talking and all that stuff. We got a, a whole slew, slew of guests uh For uh, next month, I mean, we have every day that I'm supposed to be on the air booked. Yes, 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 yes. Hate lies have no home here, have no homes here. Uh, Why are you troubled and why do you doubt? Why do doubts rise in your mind? Smile. I'm reading this, okay? (laughs) Smile and hold your head. And hold on to your happiness. I guess I was alluding to Donald Trump there. All righty. Let no one doubt you. Be the leader you dreamed of becoming. Let no one put you down. Let the world know what you can do. Stay away from losers and assholes. And and be your true self. Okay, that's something I made up and wrote. And I'm trying to read it. I don't know. I, I try to read stuff without having my glasses on you if you if you've been listening to the show you know when i have my glasses on and when i do not have them on uh i'm i'm totally not going blind i'm not going blind sometimes i don't even need my glasses you know to read um i think the last time i was at the doctor the eye doctor she told me i had uh, 20 20 vision after uh, uh examining and then the next week i went to the eye doctor they said you need glasses so <laughs> you It's kind of, uh, uh, I don't know what they're doing or anything, you know. But I do know I do not have 2020 vision. However, I'm not going blind like I thought I was going to go blind. But I don't want to jinx myself here. Anyway, anything goes on the George Wilder Jr. Show, free talk, commentary on the George Wilder Jr. Show. And right now, I'm looking at Rudy Giuliani and Jeff Sessions. Before I get into anything about these guys, it is a great day in the city of Chicago. I hope it's great wherever you are in the world. I know. Um, I mean, when you turn on the nightly, nightly news, there's always some negative and bad things they're saying about Chicago, which is probably true. But in retrospect, this is a great town. It's a beautiful city. I mean, have you ever been downtown Chicago, the Chicago Loop? Just about everything that I, just about everything that I write about in my stories and in my novels and whatever I'm doing. Uh, it's Chicago. It's Chicago. I mean, if I'm writing about Dracula or monsters or whatever, it's it's Chicago. If I'm writing about um, Maxine Monroe, it's Chicago. If I'm writing about whatever it is, you know, it's about Chicago. It, even if I'm writing my autobiography or memoir, it's about Chicago because this is where I live. This is all I know just about. And as a writer, you have to really write about places that you know of. You really can't make up stuff, uh, places, you really can't make up places that you haven't never been. I mean, I, I can't write about New York or Los Angeles or, or Montana, Georgia, because I have not lived in those places. I can make references to them, but I really can't uh, give you much detail on what's going on in those uh, uh, states without doing some heavy, heavy, heavy. Research. You can probably get away with writing about places that you've never gone or never been if you do some heavy, heavy research. One of the things I liked about the writer Robert Luglum I mean, uh, every, every place, everything that he wrote about, he visited. There was no place if he wrote about Egypt or something, he, he'd been there. He wrote about Iran or, or some little town in iraq or turkey or or somewhere in the united states he visited there sometimes he would visit there just to write his books uh he's deceased now and uh you know he he's one of my favorite writers if it's not my the favorite writer robert luglum okay that's a that's a plug for robert luglum right <laughs> yeah well anyway let me get back to what i'm watching on the on the on my computer screen rudy okay i might have recused myself too okay that this Rudy Giuliani and Jeff Sessions on the same on the same screen computer screen here. I just pulled it up. I just turned it on, and uh, as you, as you know, Jeff Sessions works for Donald Trump. He's in the Department of Justice. He has recused himself from the Russia investigation. Donald Trump doesn't like it. Donald Trump's lawyer, brand new lawyer Rudy Giuliani, said I would have recused myself too. Donald Trump has been in news been in the news saying he's disappointed with Jeff Sessions for recusing himself from the Russia investigation because he wanted Jeff Sessions to kill it and crush it. So his lawyer is saying he would have done the same thing if he was in Jeff Sessions place. Uh, uh, and, and Now I'm wondering if Trump isn't pulling out his hair or taking it off, taking it off, you know? So, because uh, I, Rudy Giuliani is just a gift that keeps on giving. I mean, he he is the worst thing for for Donald Trump. He is actually throwing Donald Trump under the bus. Rudy is throwing Donald Trump under the bus. Instead of trying to be Donald Trump's defender, he said, "Yeah, well, yeah, well, yeah, yes, he did it. Donald Trump did it, but this is what happened." <laughs> He throws Donald Trump – and he's throwing Donald Trump under the bus right now with this statement saying that he would have recused himself to – just like Jeff Sessions had recused himself from the Russia investigation, in which Donald Trump is pissed off about that. Now he he's either pissed off at Rudy Giuliani and Jeff Sessions because they both uh, 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 basically admitting that Donald Trump is probably guilty, and these people work for him. And these are the people he hired to protect him, yet they're throwing him under the bus. Wow. This administration is just one of the worst in in the universe. I was going to say the history, but the universe. This is a mess. (laughs) Donald Trump, I mean, this guy, and I keep saying it, and I keep saying it, and I'm going to continue to say it, Donald Trump is going to go down. This cannot go on forever or much longer. He is going down, whether it's Stormy Daniels uh, or the Russia investigation. I mean, Donald Trump should be – this guy should just go down just for for lying to the American people. He should be impeached just for lying to the American people 3,000 times. Over 3,000 times. Every time he opens his mouth, Donald Trump is always on television. And I don't like to see him on my TV. I keep my TV off because I don't want him in my living room. I don't want him in my home, period. He is not welcome in my home. So, And I know a lot of Americans who do the same thing. They keep their televisions off or, or either they keep their remote control handy when he shows his face on television lying about something. We just say, hey, you know, cut him right off. Because I, personally, I can't stand a guy. I, I said yesterday on the show that I, I don't like him. And there are so many other people out here that's doing shows and um, talking about Donald Trump. The first thing that comes out of their mouth, they don't like him. Or either you can figure out from their conversations uh, when they're talking about Donald Trump to how they really feel about him. I, I don't like him. I, I just don't like him. I mean, you can not listen to the show. That's up to you because I don't like him. I, I truly don't like him, and uh, I, there's nothing else to say about that. All right, you've been listening to, to the George Watt. Let, let's get a little bit more into this novel, if we can, I mean, into this story. I said novel. I'm thinking about books. Probably my books, right? Uh, Ruli Giuliani says he might recuse himself from the Russia probe, too. The president's lawyer said he understands Trump's frustration, but Sessions' recusal is defensible. Uh, if Donald Trump was going to get rid of anybody, it should be Rudy Giuliani, because Rudy Giuliani just kicks him under the bus. And um, President Donald Trump's lawyers, Rudy Giuliani, said that he can fun can fully understand why. Attorney General Jeff Sessions recused himself from the Russia investigations related to Russia and the president election, that he might have done the same (laughs) had he accepted the job Trump wanted. Giuliani said he would have had the same conflict of interest as Sessions because they were both major players in Trump's campaign, although unlike Sessions, he never met with the Russian ambassador. We, never, we don't know that. He could be lying through his teeth, also. All right. I want to thank everybody for listening to the George Wilder Jr. Show, tuning in. We should have some fun today. We're going to have, uh, I will um, be right back. Stay, stay right there where you are. Buddy, Buddy. All right, Rosie, Roseanne Barr, who has been kicked off television, now she says she's saying that her racist tweet (laughs) against uh, uh, Valerie Jarrett, who was who is was former a uh, Barack Obama aide, that she was on Ambien. These people always look for something or someone to blame uh, for their stupid behavior. You know, and she said she was going to quit Twitter. She's right back on it. You know, she'll find herself. She, I mean, she's a millionaire. She, she, it's not going to hurt her to be out of work. <laughs> Somebody will pick her up. Fox News, maybe. You know, some hate group, white supremacist group will pick her up. She'll be fine. She'll be fine. But I do agree with Valerie Jarrett that Donald Trump sets the tone in America. He sets the tone. And the tone is at this our racism. All right, you've been listening to the George Wilder Jr. Show on Black Talk Radio. Let's see what's happening here. All right, you're on the George Wilder Jr. Show. Hello? Hi, you're on the George Wilder Jr. Show.
2: Hi, George. It's Kathy Kelly. How are you?
0: Hi, Kathy Kelly. How are you doing? Where are you calling from?
2: I'm doing very well. I'm calling from New York. Now, I have to tell you, as a fellow uh, radio host, I need a favor from you.
0: Okay. What is it?
2: Um, I'm mar- I'm married to the radio DJ known as Kid Kelly. I don't know if you're familiar with his work. I guess you could call me Mrs. Kelly.
0: Okay. I know I'm, I'm not familiar with his work, but, you know, I'm not uh, uh, familiar with a lot of Uh, work that uh, radio show hosts do, but I know you're out there. Believe me, I I know you're out there and I know you're doing a great job. Uh, So what's on your mind?
2: Well, uh, Kid is up for uh, induction in the uh, Radio Hall of Fame. He's never been inducted in the Radio Hall of Fame.
0: Congrats, lots of luck.
2: And, you know, my husband started at D100 in 1988, He's been programming Serious Hits One uh, for many years now, and quite frankly, uh-huh. he's been ignored ignored for many years uh, by the Radio Hall of Fame. So we're really, you know, we're asking fellow people in the radio community that we respect, like you and uh, your audience, to to vote for him because uh-huh. it's been it's been very hard as a prominent radio DJ to be denied entry. Into this into this prestigious club.
0: Where can I go and listen to a, maybe a, a, a show or a, broad, a podcast of him, and uh, you know, of so course. I can really get a feel the for his show?
2: The easiest thing to do, uh, you can look him up. Kid Kelly on YouTube. And okay, um, Kid Kelly
0: on you know, YouTube is that Kelly with a K? Yeah, you go
2: to YouTube. Uh, yeah, K Kid with a K, Kelly with a K. Um, Okay. I mean, I don't know if you can imagine how hard it's been having a husband who's been in radio for so long and, and can't get into the radio hall of fame. It's actually, to be honest with you, in the radio community, it's brought us a lot of shame. People look down. So what do you want me to do? Now, oh, you want, or not.
0: So what do you want me to do? You want me to mention him on the show every now and then or, or just uh, uh, oh, I
2: that would, kind of that thing? That would be. <laughs> that would be above and beyond george i mean george we, okay. he is such a fan of your show believe it or not he uh-huh. Uh-huh. he turned me on to it and i'm sort of doing uh-huh. the um i'm sort of doing the parade for him cuz he 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 doesn't have it within him to do it himself he's too proud but i, I personally i'm not going to be married to a man who can't get into the radio hall of fame you understand
0: wow yeah that's i mean it's a it's a must that he be in the Radio Hall of Fame. You know, I mean, uh, as I. I'm,
2: yeah, go ahead, George, please. You're on a roll. Let's
0: I was going yeah, to say, say I'm going to uh, as soon as the show is over, I'm going to take a look at the uh, uh, the YouTube uh channel that you keep given me and then I'll get back and I'll make, you know, make that decision on it. So how,
2: George, I love that how because I have yeah, to tell gonna, you. Yeah, go ahead. You go yeah. ahead. You go ahead.
0: Uh, I mean I was I um I'm in a radio I've been in the radio business for a while and uh, hey I'm always out there to help fellow uh broadcasters because that's what it's all about you know I mean helping each other of we're all course. doing the same thing we're all on the same page I mean it's not and about George, you know
2: it, yeah I don't know if you've experienced this but we're right now treated like and I'm not exaggerating we're treated like lepers in the radio community because of this how? Well, people people are at, at functions where we go with other radio people who have been inducted. They refuse to speak our names because he's not in the radio hall of fame.
0: Wow. Well, uh, I really don't I care if dr- they speak my name or not. I, 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 you know, I'm going to do my show because I love doing yeah. it because it's fun well, and it's helping and that's other how people he out feels.
2: there. And that's how mm. he feels. Don't get me wrong. But personally, as his wife, I mean... I have to drop the kids off at school three blocks away because I I can't mm-hmm. face the other moms anymore.
1: Mm-hmm. I'm afraid they're going to say, are... "Oh,
2: you know, your husband didn't get in. It didn't get in this year. He didn't get in." I don't want to have that conversation. You know?
1: Huh?
0: No, 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 no. You're you're okay.
2: What's that, George?
0: Caller. Mm-hmm. I said you're okay. Yeah, I'm Go here. Right ahead. Can you
2: hear me? You yeah, know, I, you. I mean, I'm, I'm I'm afraid that they're going to say, "Oh, your husband didn't get in this year," and that's a whole conversation. I mean, we we got to get into this radio hall of fame. the The shame is unbearable right now.
0: Well, I, I think you're going to get in it because I, you're you're adamant about getting your husband in, and you're telling okay. me that he's he, he deserved to be in. And as I've said, I'm going to. Uh, uh, Go listen to a podcast or a show of his, it doesn't matter. And, and I'll get back. He's been and, on every
2: know. he's been on every major radio station and you know, I, I, I haven't got to go to an event like this and wear an evening gown for my husband in my entire life. So I'm 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 making a push. We want this to happen. Because how long have you he been know, on the radio? Over thirty years. Over thirty years wow. radio, on every major radio station. And you know this would really help lift what has become a black a black cloud on on the family, and I, I really need okay. your help in, in doing that. I really need your help. Okay. So,
0: okay. So in case people out there are listening and they don't actually know how to vote for your husband to be in the Radio Hall of Fame, how would someone vote for him actually to be into the hall? Get into the Hall of Fame.
2: The easiest thing to do is you just Google Radio Hall of Fame vote. And that's going to, the first thing that's okay. going to come up is is the voting sheet. And I'm I'm telling you, he's been on every major radio station. And as of yet, the, the Radio Hall of Fame is ignoring him. And sometimes it feels on purpose.
0: It might be on purpose. You know, uh, it's, it's you clause, never know.
2: You know. And yeah. I'm telling you, yeah. George, to be honest with you, he would never say this, but he's he started having health issues because he's so stressed out about this.
0: Wow. He shouldn't. He shouldn't let this stress, stress him out, anything, as long as he and enjoys then, what he's doing.
2: I, he does. He does. And that's what's so tragic about this because people are being so – they're being downright mean. And I saw him last night. You asked know, George, he was pulling his, his eyelashes out, okay? I mean – he's 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 in he's in a bad he's in a bad state you know
0: well he should be in a pretty good state because he's got you out here pushing uh, uh, for him to be into the uh, radio hall of fame
2: and, and I have as to i've tell said you, you know just as a woman as a, as a wife george there has yeah. been you know there's been performance issues for him since this happened because of all the stress he's not been able to to In the bedroom to perform at all, and it's very troubling Mm. to all of us. Mm. You know.
0: Okay, I'll see what I can do. I'll see what I can do and uh, in pushing him uh, on the show, and uh, I'll check all of this out. And tomorrow, I probably will be talking about it on the show. Okay.
2: I would appreciate that, Uh, George. I'll do whatever it takes. Uh, whoever I uh, just tell me who I need to kill or uh, fuck and I'll, and I'll do it. I'll, I'll absolutely. I'm, I'm ready. We're ready.
0: All right. Thanks for your call. Bye-bye. Okay, folks, we're going to take a break, a quick break right here. We will be right back. Is George Carlin on religion. I
3: think the list of commandments was deliberately and artificially inflated to get it up to ten. It's a padded list. Here's what they did. About 5,000 years ago, a bunch of religious and political hustlers got together to try to figure out how to control people, how to keep them in line. They knew people were basically stupid and would believe anything they were told. So they announced that God had given them some commandments. Up on a mountain when no one was around, God had given them the Ten Commandments. But let me ask you this. When they were sitting around making this shit up, why did they pick ten? Why ten? Why not nine or eleven? I'll tell you why. Because ten sounds official. Ten sounds important. They knew if it was eleven, people wouldn't take it seriously. So what, are you kidding me? The Eleven Commandments? Get the fuck out of here. But ten... Ten sounds important. Ten is the basis for the decimal system. It's a decade. It's a psychologically satisfying number. The top ten, the ten most wanted, the ten best dressed. So having ten commandments was really a marketing decision. (laughs) And to me, it's clearly a bullshit list. It's a political document artificially inflated to sell better. I'm gonna show you how you could reduce the number of commandments and come up with a list that's a little more workable and logical. We're gonna start with the first three, and I'll use the Roman Catholic version because those are the ones I was taught as a little boy. I am the Lord thy God, thou shalt not have strange gods before me. Thou shalt not take the name of the Lord thy God in vain. Thou shalt keep holy the Sabbath. Right off the bat, the first three, pure bullshit. Sabbath. Sabbath day, Lord's name, strange gods, spooky language, spooky language designed to scare and control primitive people. In no way does superstitious nonsense like this apply to the lives of intelligent, civilized humans in the 21st century. You throw out the first three commandments, you're down to seven. Next, honor thy father and mother, obedience, respect for authority. Just another name for controlling people. The truth is, obedience and respect should not be automatic. They should be earned. They should be based on the parent's performance. Parent's performance. Right? Some some parents deserve respect. Most of them don't. Period. You're down to six. Now, in the interest of logic, something religion is very uncomfortable with, going to jump around the list a little bit thou shalt not steal thou shalt not bear false witness stealing and lying well but in the bullshit department in the bullshit department a businessman can't hold a candle to a clergyman because i gotta tell you the truth folks i gotta tell you the truth when it comes to bullshit big time major league bullshit you have to stand in awe in awe of the all-time champion of false promises and exaggerated claims, religion. No contest. No contest. Religion. Religion easily has the greatest bullshit story ever told. Think about it. Religion has actually convinced people that there's an invisible man He loves you. He loves you, and he needs money! He always needs money! He's all-powerful, all-perfect, all-knowing, and all-wise, somehow, just can't handle money! Religion takes in billions of dollars, they pay no taxes, and they always need a little more. Now you talk about a good bullshit story. Holy shit! But thank you very much. But I want you to know, I want you to know something. This is sincere. I want you to know, when it comes to believing in God, I really tried. I really. Really tried. I tried to believe that there is a God who created each of us in his own image and likeness, loves us very much, and keeps a close eye on things. I really tried to believe that, but I gotta tell you, the longer you live, the more you look around, the more you realize something is fucked up. Something is wrong here. War, disease, death, destruction, hunger, filth, poverty, torture, crime, corruption, and the ice capades. Something is definitely wrong. This is not good work. If this is the best God can do, I am not impressed. Results like these do not belong on the resume of a supreme being. This is the kind of shit you'd expect from an office temp with a bad attitude. And just between you and me, in in any decently run universe, this guy would have been out on his all-powerful ass a long time ago. And by the way, I say this guy because I firmly believe, looking at these results, that if there is a God, it has to be a man. No woman could or would ever fuck things up like this. So, so, okay. if, 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 there is a God, if there is, I think most reasonable people it might, might agree, that hey, it is no, at least I'm incompetent, I'm and maybe, just maybe, doesn't give a shit doesn't give a shit, which I admire in a person and which would explain a lot of these bad results. So rather than be just another mindless religious robot, mindlessly and aimlessly and blindly believing that all of this is in the hands of some spooky incompetent father figure who doesn't give a shit, I decided to look around for something else to worship. Something I could really count on. And immediately I thought of the sun. Happened like that. Overnight I became a sun worshipper. Well, not overnight, you can't see the sun at night. First thing the next morning, I became a sun worshiper. Several reasons. First of all, I can see the sun, okay? (laughs) Unlike some other gods I could mention, I can actually see the sun. I'm big on that. If I can see something, I don't know, kind of helps the credibility along, you know? So every day I can see the sun as it gives me everything I need. Heat, light, food, flowers in the park, reflections on the lake, and occasional skin cancer. But hey, (laughs) at least there are no crucifixions, and we're not setting people on fire simply because they don't agree with us. Sun worship is fairly simple. There's no mystery, no miracles, no pageantry, no one asks for money, there are no songs to learn, and we don't have a special building where we all gather once a week to compare clothing. And the best thing, the best thing about the sun, it never tells me I'm unworthy. Doesn't tell me I'm a bad person who needs to be saved. Hadn't said an unkind word. Treats me fine. So, I worship the sun. But, I don't pray to the sun. Know why? I wouldn't presume on our friendship. It's not polite. I've often thought people treat God rather rudely, don't you? Asking you know trillions and trillions of prayers every day. Asking and pleading and begging for favors. Do this, give me that, I need a new car, I want a better job. And most of this praying takes place on Sunday, his day off. It's not nice, and it's no way to treat a friend. But people do pray, and they pray for a lot of different things. You know, your sister needs an operation on her crotch. Your your brother was arrested for defecating in the mall. But most of all, you'd really like to fuck that hot little redhead down at the convenience store. You know, the one with the eye patch and the club foot. Can you pray for that? I think you'd have to. And I say, fine.
5: Chicago,
6: a mock town from way back. Outlaws. You know, we did what we wanted. This 20. What it is, homie.
5: In a place known for its criminals, Chicago's housing projects were once the breeding grounds for the city's most ruthless gangs.
7: This is everyday beat.
8: This ain't nothing new to us. Straight up.
5: Built for the poor, they were rife with violence and a haven for the drug trade. You got
8: your blows. you got your rocks, your weed. Man, the money comes
9: so fast.
8: It was a gold line. It was like anything goes.
5: Rival gangs did anything to control these high-rises.
10: You're talking about communities
9: that are held hostage.
1: I heard the gunshot, and his mama came and she jumped on top of right,
9: We catch you over here again, we don't care. You got All these buildings shooting
8: at you at one time, bullets flying past your head. So many different gunshots, boom, boom, boom.
5: Welcome to Chicago, a gangster city. December 31st, 1999. New Year's Eve, Cabrini-Green. At Chicago's most notorious public housing project, this is how gangbangers rang in the millennium.
9: We used to walk down the streets with AK-47s and all type of, you know, pistols. We would just walk around shooting and doing what we do.
5: The shooting spree was an annual ritual most cabrini residents knew to stay indoors on new year's eve some slept in their bathtubs to avoid stray gunfire
9: and you really have to be careful because you don't know where those shots coming from
5: things got so bad that over the years police shut down the streets around the housing project at first for only an hour or so later for the entire night But securing
4: the streets had an unintended consequence. It was like to all the gang members and guys who wanted to fire their gun, come on down to Cabrini, we'll just shoot our guns in the air, sell dope. Nobody's gonna bother us, at least for a few hours. And it was unbelievable. It was the most blatant disregard for law and order that I'd ever seen.
5: Chicago is a gangster city, and these are the ways of its infamous housing projects. The first buildings were opened in 1938 as a welfare program for the urban poor. They were meant to offer a clean, cheap, and safe alternative to some of the city's worst slums. But this social experiment soon disintegrated. Gangs turn these buildings into armed camps, thug-run fiefdoms in the midst of the city. High-rise after high-rise served as recruitment centers and incubators for gangs and their violence.
11: It's always been about power and dope. And uh, if you look at it, they're basically very much like the Mafia. You know, they all have their nicknames and it's all revolving around violence for control.
5: Rival bangers openly battled for the right to set up shop with cocaine and heroin as their merchandise.
10: Many of these young people felt, hey, we're on the outside looking in. Society doesn't want to count us in. We will create our own economy underground.
6: We we this is how we live.
5: More than 125 street gangs claimed territory in Chicago, with total membership exceeding 100,000. From the 1970s through the early 1990s, three gangs in particular ruled the city's projects. The Gangster Disciples, the Vice Lords, and the P-Stones tens of thousands of residents struggled to live their lives amongst a small but powerful group of gang members they controlled buildings across the city and they were all at war with each other to expand their criminal
8: enterprises it was a gold mine not only a gold man like there was no limit anything goes the police could do little to stop them my
12: first week in Cabrini, I was driving down the street in a squad car. I heard some gunfire to my left. I looked to my left toward the building. Someone came from my right, reached over the hood of the car with a gun and shot at the building.
5: I mean, it was just wild. I couldn't believe it. Over time, these high-rises became fortresses where the gangs operated openly. They were the perfect place to set up shop and to evade the police lookouts on upper floors watched for squad cars and communicated
8: with other gang members using walkie-talkies we had a three-man four-man shift that mean like one person on the back one person on the front one person in the breezeway so when the police come They hollering, be up, or whatever the, the word might be, you know what I'm saying, to try to fool the police.
4: You can't really sneak up on somebody in a 17th floor apartment who runs a dope operation. It's very difficult to get in without going through 17 floors of security. They're literally in forts.
5: The high rises also provided plenty of spaces for hiding guns and drugs. Gangs often coerced residents into helping
11: them. They normally would store the guns in a legitimate person's apartment. It would be a little old lady or uh, a woman with several kids, and uh, they would keep the guns there.
5: Most residents knew better than to complain to police. It was a tacit agreement between innocents and gangsters.
9: You deal with the police or you deal with us. Y'all got to see us every day. Y'all not going to see them every day. As a
5: result, drug dealers enjoyed almost free reign, running 24-hour markets for junkies. They screened their customers and served them
8: with workmanlike efficiency. If you come in the building, security police pet you down, search you. If you've known, people know you already because you're in front of projects or whatever, you go
6: straight up and get your drugs. For marijuana, it would be like on the left side of the building. If it was cocaine, that would be the fourth floor. The heroin would be like the ninth floor. And we kept the elevators uh, working. We had a person that would ride the elevator up with the residents, the customers.
9: Dealers
5: made thousands of dollars a day.
9: I could be downstairs with probably two, $3,000 worth of cocaine, and they'd be gone in probably 30 minutes. It was free enterprise. That meant when the guy come in, if my bag's better than yours, I'm going to get the sale.
5: The rise of powder and crack cocaine propelled the Gangster Disciples, or GDs, more than any other Chicago street gang, to the top. The Disciples' leader, Larry Hoover, cultivated a drug empire that, according to the Department of Justice, at one point earned in excess of $100 million a year. A self-proclaimed student of Al Capone, Hoover modeled his organization after the Italian mob and a Fortune 500 company. In prison for murder since 1973, Hoover took the reins of the gang from behind prison walls, sending out memos with instructions to his troops on the streets.
10: Larry Hoover was the ultimate voice, he was the chairman of the board, and he had underlings that worked for him, who had underlings that worked for them, and then each community had a boss. And these guys ran this thing like a machine.
8: Everybody just do was told from the higher spot down, as like Larry Hoover told them what's going on. All rules was, was mainly followed, you know.
5: Hoover's biggest innovation was a street tax on drug deals in exchange for the right to sell drugs at the housing projects dealers had to share seventy percent of their earnings with the gang
10: these guys are minimum wage drug dealers most of the underlings make enough money to buy pampers buy some sneakers give their girlfriends some money to help with the rent and they have to be there tomorrow because it's an ongoing job for them break out it's stupid in a way
9: because we fighting over hoofing to make this sale but it makes sense because we all out here trying to eat for every building
5: that the disciples controlled there was a coordinator who supplied the narcotics to dealers and then collected taxes from them Hoover's enforcers
10: made sure everyone paid up as the gangs run every drug spot here in the city. There's no what they call independence. It doesn't work like that. Selling dope has been the fastest, easiest
5: way for many young men to earn money while growing up in the projects.
6: It's like, want this piece of candy, this good candy, right? You want it, I mean, and it's just that easy to to get affiliated.
5: was 14 years old when he joined the Disciples.
6: I got involved cause friends, you know, seeing the fancy clothes and, and, and everything. They come to school with the nice gym shoes on. So, you know, I, 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 I wanted that.
5: The Gangster Disciples ranks ultimately swelled to 30,000, including members like Toy T, who says he caught his first case and attempted murder charge when he was only 11 years old.
8: 95% of Cabrini was GD, so whatever you've been around all your life, that's what you're going to grow for the beat. you know what I'm saying? As the gangster disciples rose to power, they battled
5: their enemies, the Vice Lords and p for control of the drug trade. Chicago's public housing complexes became war zones. Carved up by gang rivalries.
9: And it was so much risk. I mean, you facing you facing death in the dope. The gangs waged a guerrilla war using sniper attacks against each
6: other. You would never know. It would be a board in the window with a little crack in it. You know, and you wouldn't know. Only thing you would hear was the gunshot.
5: Scores of people were shot down by sniper fire so that this now-empty lot became known simply as the Killing Fields. A Lot of blood has been spilled on that field. Residents lived in terror. They feared getting caught in the crossfire.
6: Kids wouldn't even be able to come out and play, you know what I mean? Because so much gunfire, you know, parents scared for their children. Bullets would come through your living room window.
5: Snipers perched in their high rises, even shot at police
11: and paramedics. You automatically got out of your we- your vehicle with your weapon in your hand, and you're, you know, and always looking at the building, and not lingering to get in the building because that was the only cover your head. Once inside the buildings, police rarely,
5: if ever, found the snipers who used an elaborate tunneling system to escape.
9: So on the top floors, we put holes in all the walls so we can go from one building to the next. Like if the police would chase us, we would run up to the 10th floor and go through the holes in the walls and we would come
10: down in the other building. All the time, the police in this building. It was like a nest. It was actually the perfect place to commit a crime.
5: By the 1990s, Cabrini Green, one of Chicago's most notorious housing projects, had earned a reputation as a Wild West shooting gallery.
8: You might be at the store with your mama, your little brothers and sisters, it wouldn't matter. You got these guys who are in the window, sniping, shooting people. Chicago's
5: projects weren't always like this they were once seen as places of opportunity.
10: Initially, it started off with the idea that, you know what, this will help people get on their feet. They'll move out and move on.
5: The city first broke ground on Cabrini Green in 1942, building dozens of row houses over a slum so dangerous it became known as Little Hell. These units initially housed the working poor, mostly Italians. But over time, that changed. During the 1950s and 60s, African-Americans from the South flooded into Chicago looking for
10: a better life. You're talking about folks coming up from places like Mississippi and Arkansas who were very poor and uneducated. As they were coming up, many jobs left cities, which left uh, many neighborhoods like Cabrini-Green in chaos.
5: These new arrivals required additional public housing units to be built, but many white city councilmen refused to allow them in their wards. Mayor Richard J. Daley appeased them by building several new projects on the traditionally black south side of the city. The
10: largest were the Robert Taylor homes. It had 25,000 registered tenants and you probably could add three people to every lease. So now you're talking about, in that community, 75,000.
5: By 1975, 92% of the people here were on public assistance, and there were nearly three children for every adult, most of them single mothers. Chicago police officer Eric Davis patrolled the projects where he'd grown up for 18 years. He says it was the federal welfare system and the flaws in its design
10: that tore families apart. Well, we'll give you public aid, we'll even increase it for you having more children, but the father or the husband can't be in the home. And they would send out the social workers to check, and he would be gone for a week because he never knew when the social worker was going to come. And after a while, he just wasn't there at all. Within a few years of opening,
5: conditions in these buildings deteriorated to the point of them being just as bad as the slums they replaced. You went in the hallways, you went
12: in the stairways, you went on the elevators, lights knocked out, it was
5: looked like a war zone. Chicago's housing projects became islands of poverty and incubators for street gangs gang life gave a whole generation of young black men a sense of identity and belonging
8: you don't have no good role models around you every day when you around negativity every day you know this like a magnet like a magnet's gonna come to you men
5: like larry hoover leader of the gangster disciples lured young recruits with the promise of fast easy money selling drugs
6: mom's got the dealing with the drug thing so she couldn't provide the way she was used to, you know what I mean? So eventually, I turned to the streets and was able to get all the things that Mom was lacking on. Hoover
5: also offered something unique,
8: respect. The men
6: speak love,
8: you know what I'm saying? Honor and respect, you know what I'm saying? And if you make somebody embrace, you embrace someone and make them feel like you really love them, you care about them, of course they gonna follow you
5: hoover required the disciples to live by a set of laws that were distributed in printed form to all members these laws prohibited them from using drugs and stealing from or showing disrespect to other members
6: 90 percent of the men and ghettos work with a pride thing you weren't gonna get respect if you wasn't giving it
8: they also followed what they called the five p's Papa, preparation, prevent poor performance. Everyday life things, you know, keep yourself up to par, you know, like a a man or a young man supposed to, you know, look nice, first appearance mean everything. I live by this.
9: And whether some people know it or not, some of the the laws and policies that we do abide by, it's not to destroy man, but it's to create one.
5: But the most important of all laws was the one called silence and secrecy.
9: See no evil, speak no evil. Whatever we talk about, whatever I mean, and everything we go through—if nobody else seen it—and it was something drastic—is between me and you. That's that's how I love. Cabrini
5: Green became a world unto itself, run by the laws of the street. The. the rest of the city didn't apply inside the project, and Cabrini Law extended to the Chicago Police Department. July 17th, 1970, Cabrini Green is launched into infamy. Sergeant James Severin and Officer Anthony Rosado were at Cabrini as part of an all-volunteer program working to build relationships with the community. They were crossing a baseball field when two snipers, Hmm
11: took aim they intentionally shot these two officers intentionally yeah it's an out and out uh, murder severin and rosado were killed
5: police say to seal a truce between two rival gangs the gangster disciples and the cobra stones but the snipers didn't stop there
11: one of the officers that went out there to the out onto the field to retrieve, I believe it was Officer Severance. The rounds were coming, they were still shooting at them, and the rounds were coming off the ground and around the car. No one
5: else was killed, but the incident confirmed who was in charge at Cabrini-Green. The truce that sealed the fates of Severin and Rosado was short-lived. The
4: Disciples and Cobra Stones soon started shooting at each other again. And at the police, it wasn't uncommon to have gunfire uh, erupt, uh, especially at police. Uh, maybe not intending to uh, hit the officer, but certainly to scare him away. Well, I don't know this is our turf. In the spring of 1981,
5: Chicago Mayor Jane Byrne vowed to I end care. the lawlessness and improve living conditions at Cabrini Green. She moved into an apartment at the war-torn housing complex, flanked by police and bodyguards. Reporters asked the mayor when she planned to leave
7: When I think people think they can look out a window and not get shot
5: the mayor got a first-hand look at the deplorable living conditions there From the vermin infested apartments to the broken-down elevators If you lived on the 15th floor You walked up with your groceries you walked up with your children Conditions improved during the mayor's stay, but the experiment lasted all of three weeks before Byrne returned to her luxury condo less than a mile
10: away. As while she was there, there was no drug dealing, there were no gang shootings, it was utopia. But uh, the mayor went back home and gave the building back to the gang that was there.
5: The mayor's stay had another unintended consequence. While she was there, the building where the mayor lived had its back doors sealed to increase her security. But once she left, the gangs used this to their
10: advantage. The building became known as the Fort. So now how this building worked was, they blatantly stood in front of the building and sold drugs. And when we pulled the car up, they walked into the building, closed the door, and walked away and there was nothing that we could do because we couldn't sneak up the back. Other buildings soon copied
5: the fort, finding creative ways to block the back entrances, leaving the only way in through the front door.
9: So the police actually locked they out because when they come to the building, we just close the door.
5: By the mid-1980s, the body count at Chicago's gang-controlled housing projects was in the hundreds.
9: There's been times where I was on my way to school and I didn't see dead bodies laying in the hallway, and getting to school and seeing brains
13: outside of the school. One time, uh, me and my god sisters coming from the store, coming through the building, and uh, Guy run in with ski masks on and shot another guy right in front of us. Bullets float, right past our head. In the 19 months between January 1st, 1984
5: and July 1985, 13 people were shot and killed at Cabrini Green. The 13th was fifth grader Makita Crosby. The nine-year-old girl was in front of her building waiting her turn at Double Dutch a gunfight broke out between a vice lord and a group of gangster disciples a stray bullet hit lakita in the chest the shooter 19 year old lawrence taylor was horrified by what he'd done
11: they had a uh, their own code of conduct there and and it's still i think existent all throughout the, their community is that you don't mess with young kids
5: Later that night, Taylor made a deal with the girl's uncle, Gerald Crosby, a fellow gang member. They agreed that if Lakita lived, they would keep the shooting to themselves. If she died, they agreed Crosby would go to the police, and Taylor would turn himself in. Lakita died. True to their deal, Crosby gave the police a full statement. But just as Taylor was being charged, Crosby's fellow gang members beat him nearly to death. In their eyes, Crosby
13: had broken their most important rule. You know, no matter what happened, you know, you, you don't tell. You know, if it's a problem, then we deal with it ourselves. You, know, you don't involve the police. Enforcing
5: the gang's rules required a highly structured hierarchy. The project's biggest gang was the Gangster Disciples. At the top of the organization was the chairman of the board, Larry Hoover. A lot of people like to call them gangs, they're
12: organized crime. They are no different than the mob, the Italian mob. You know, you have your leadership, chairman of the board, they have a board, they have uh, governors, they have regents
5: they have guys who run certain buildings at the bottom were the enforcers and the foot soldiers foot soldiers executed drug deals and guarded gang territory enforcers meted out fines from members who broke gang rules they were also in charge of violations these punishments were doled out according to the crime
11: if a uh, individual was a was the lookout and the police made the arrest, well he was violated. You get shot in the leg or shot in the uh, uh, buttocks You lost your dope. You got violated. I mean, these these were things that how they maintain control over the people.
6: The worst violation you can get was that 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 PhD.
8: A punk ahead is when. Your face is all swollen up and beat and your mama won't even know you.
6: That would be from uh, uh, di- being uh, 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 disrespectful and subordinate, you know, stealing, rape, things of those nature.
13: You done what you was told, you know, and you wasn't going to be told twice. And guys, you know, honored that.
5: Mario Morgan should know he was a senior regent of the Gangster Disciples. He followed orders that came from
13: the top, then passed them along to his subordinates. I had like maybe 50 or 60 other regents up under me, and whatever I was told, you know, I just, you know, hand down the orders to my regents and made sure that they did what they were supposed to do. The system kept the leaders shielded from the police. You might know
12: who the governor is, the reason, all that, but they don't touch drugs. They're not doing no violations themselves. They're not doing anything themselves, but behind closed
5: doors, giving orders
12: to someone else. So really, it's nothing you could do to
5: them. Like Morgan, most leaders who manage to stay out of prison are vague when describing their former duties. But they admit that they were in constant danger just by being
13: near the top of the gang's food chain. I meant business, you know, I didn't have any problems, know where I went. Most of the time they knew I was coming before I got there and they was waiting for me and made sure I got back up out of there safe.
5: For years, these leaders kept discipline within the ranks. But in the late 1980s, things began to change. Members of the Gangster
8: Disciples at Cabrini Green went to war with each other. It was a building war. It was all one building going against the whole project. For 20
5: years, gangs ruled Chicago's housing projects. The vice lords, peace stones and gangster disciples turned buildings into fortresses as they battled each other for the right to run the drug trade. Within the gangs, a structured hierarchy maintained control of members through deadly discipline. In 1989, this structure began to fall apart. It started when a renegade band of gangster disciples led by 19-year-old Charles Big Chuck Dorsey decided they were no longer going to share their profits with the gang.
12: They was making a lot of money. So at one point, Chuck became, uh, came up with this idea that they don't need to be disciples. They could do their own thing.
5: So they broke off from the Disciple Nation. The power play by Chuck Dorsey and his men, who called themselves the Renegade Crazy Crew, infuriated the disciples' leaders.
8: They say we was being rebellious, but I, I, I can't see how when we wouldn't stand for nobody and storing us, you know, um taking nothing from us, you know, how they was mistreating all the rest of the, you know, the guys and the organization. We was always like the stand-up guys, you know, the guys who, no, we're not going to take that from y'all. Cabrini Green exploded with violence as the renegade crazy crew went to war with
12: the rest of the disciples. I think that's when Cabrini was more violent because they, Tech Nine machine guns had just came out and that was their gun of choice.
9: We were so lucky to have a, a grocery store like across the street where we can dip off in there, grab some Zuzu's and wham, wham.
8: You got all these buildings shooting at you at one time, bullets flying past your head. So many different gunshots. Boom, boom, boom. Shock, shock, shock. Lock, lock, lock. The
5: war terrorized residents for two and a half years before the disciples extended a peace offering to Dorsey. A top spot in the leadership in exchange for bringing his renegade crazy crew back into the fold. When it came to drug selling,
12: that's the only reason they took him back in the first place. Chuck knew how to make money. But the power struggle fractured the gang and left members with bitter feelings about Dorsey and his crew. We might have forgave what you did, but we didn't forget what you did. And then, at one point, Chuck became super arrogant. I mean, when they gave him, the more rank he got, the more big head he got.
5: The Renegade Crazy Crew stab at defection would be only the first blow to the gang's stranglehold on the projects. Three years later, an event took place at Cabrini Green that finally sparked widespread public outrage. October 13th, 1992. First grader Dantrell Davis was holding his mother's hand, walking the 100-foot distance from his building to Jenner Elementary School. A sniper located inside one of the gang-controlled buildings shot Dantrell in the head.
1: I seen the fire and I seen him fall flat on his back. And his mama came and she jumped on top of him.
5: The suspect, 33-year-old Anthony Garrett, later told police he shot dentrell by mistake Garrett said he was trying to take out rival gang members the first grader had gotten in the way
10: and I think all across America everyone could relate to this he was a kid holding his mother's hand walking to
6: school that was like an eye-opener now we know we have beef amongst each other but who do these kids have beef with massive police raids followed the murder dozens of officers
5: blanketed the projects
9: it was bananas. you got probably 30 40 cars descending on one building at one time they running in buildings kicking in doors they want to know what's your name they got wants they was looking for guns after that you know what i mean And
6: any, any little tip that they had gotten from their informants, they was going with it.
5: Calls to bring out the National Guard prompted Mayor Richard M. Daley to announce new measures in the complexes and denounce the gun violence that reigned inside them.
10: These are not used for pheasant or squirrel hunting in Lincoln Park.
5: Metal detectors were installed in the buildings. Residents were issued ID cards. The building where the sniper took aim at Dantrell was closed, its residents relocated. None of this was good news for the gangs or their drug business.
6: If he was making $1,500 to $2,000 a day, then that dropped to maybe 500 $600 a day.
5: In the face of a massive police presence, the gangs of Cabrini-Green agreed to
4: get together to negotiate a truce. This is bad for business. We're not making money anymore. If there was a truce, a real truce, that was what it's about. We're both losing money. Over the next year, officers Eric Davis and James Martin
5: brought together leaders from 12 of the city's largest street gangs.
10: We asked them, why are you fighting? They said, no one ever asked us to stop. We just don't want to be the ones to ask for peace. So we said...
0: Hey there, friends and fans. This is George Wilder Jr. of the George Wilder Jr. Show. <laughs> I want you to enjoy my fictional writings located on Amazon and elsewhere. Uh, the mm. website is www.amazon.com slash author slash gwilder. Uh, or go to the Amazon website and type my name in the yeah, text bar yeah, yeah, above yeah, George, yeah. to either order or download a book, a story, essays novels novelettes whatever you want to do and i want to thank you very much for that and as always good reading this is george wilder jr and keep listening there's always more to come all right thank you everybody All right, the George Wilder Jr. Show is back on the air. Thanks, everybody, for uh, giving me a little bit of uh, air here. And as <laughs> always appreciated. The George Wilder Jr. Show is on the air. It is raining in the city of Chicago. I mean, it's really coming down. They, they predicted that it was going to rain. But, you know, um, it's hard for, uh, uh, to tell if that's going to be true or not until you actually see the rain. Okay, here we go the george wilder jr show go right ahead
14: hey george it's douglas how are you
0: how you doing douglas what's going on
14: i'm doing well i was enjoying uh i don't know if it was a documentary or a podcast you were playing about cabrini green but that was uh that was, was crazy it was very interesting
0: oh yeah i just played a half of it you know I, it, it's a lot more to it and thank you uh for enjoying yeah. it uh, I thought it was interesting yeah, too. I was sitting here with my headphones on. I was sitting here with my headphones on, listening to it because I haven't really, um, you know, thought of it, and I just saw it sitting here. So let me click on it, you know, uh,
1: because yeah, I downloaded yeah. Oh,
14: it. Yeah, it, it was good. It was. I, I was. Uh, I've been listening to most of the show. I, I was. Uh, I was a little confused by the. Uh, <laughs> By the kid kelly call i don't know quite what that was very very interesting. you know what i'm uh, trying to figure it.
0: i'm trying to i'm trying to figure it out myself you know i'm trying to figure it, i did go to uh, check some of the uh, websites there is a kid kelly uh and uh, uh there is a kid kelly uh, I, I don't know how famous he is or i never heard of him but uh, you know a radio host so i'll try to do what i can but I before I can do anything, I have to listen to him first. I don't want to, you know. And then she started talking about she wants to kill somebody, and I said, "Well, bye."
1: <laughs> you know?
14: Well, it, I mean, yeah, it was, She sounded real
1: desperate.
14: I mean, that's that's some woman. That yeah. is that is. You know that is desperation to get your husband in that bad. Uh, I mean, uh, it sounded like she would, uh, well, as you say, sort of stop at nothing, which was, was wild
0: to get her to get her husband in the Hall of Fame. You know, I, I don't know if this was a crank call or or, or a, a legitimate call, but uh, you know, yeah, you know, I mean, it wasn't a bad call. You know, so yeah, no, right. no, and
14: you do have, so, you know. You have to admire if that was real I believe it was uh, a woman's yeah, dedication to a, a woman's dedication to her husband really
0: Yeah yeah and she said that he was ill
14: Well she said he was going from what I heard that she was he was going through a lot of uh, stress related uh things Because uh, he was he was being I guess ridiculed in the radio community for not getting in. That's what I got from it.
0: Yeah, for not getting in. Yeah, and uh, well, stress can lead to illness. So you know. Um. um.
14: Well, anyway, um, we
0: can, and
14: you know, the craziest thing about the call was she was getting real personal, like about about things in their bedroom and whatnot. And I thought, wow, if that was my wife, yeah, yeah, show to do that.
0: I heard that too. First thing went to my mind is this legit, you know. First thing because I've had I've had callers call on the show, call into the show, sounding real legit, but at the end of the call, they start going in another direction that's not appropriate for the show.
14: <laughs> right. Yeah, they go, uh, they go a little cuckoo, cuckoo for cocoa puffs yeah. at the end yeah. there. I hear you. Yeah. Yeah. Um, little- you know, yeah. Go ahead, George. You go for it, man
0: no 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 I uh, no you you're the caller I mean you go for it I mean it's it's your show
14: no, but I want I'm curious about your thoughts on it that's what I called just to hear what you had to say about the uh, the, the the call before
0: uh, i I like I said before I do believe it was a legitimate call I do I do think she may have gone off the rails a bit, and that's why I abruptly ended the call uh, she probably was probably was very, very emotional about trying to get her husband into the Hall of Fame for, uh, for failing for so many years. You know, me, myself, I never yeah. thought about the Hall of Fame. I, I never even I knew there was one, but I, I never uh, thought about it.
14: Well, George, if, if, if there is one and I believe there is and there's a way to vote for you, yeah. you would absolutely have my, my vote. I think you put on a quality uh, show. I think he got a great voice, and uh, I think you you deserve to be in it as much as anyone else, quite frankly.
0: But you know what? I'm not gonna sit back and wait for uh, for something like this. And, and I thank you for your for wanting to vote. But I'm not gonna sit back and uh, go crazy over not getting in, into the radio hall of fame or anything. I'm just gonna keep doing what I do yeah. because I love what I do. I enjoy what I do. You know, and, and I have helped a lot of people with this radio show uh, uh, move on in, in their lives. So that's the most important thing to me. They can have the Radio For- Hall of Fame if they want to put me in. That's great. If not, then I'm fine with it.
14: Well, that's a real healthy attitude because, I mean, you mm-hmm. don't want to be where you're pulling your, like she was saying, you're pulling your eyelashes out and, and you're having, yeah, you know, I think know. she said he was having, he was having stomach trouble. At one point.
0: Yeah, well, (laughs) well, it'll never happen, (laughs) you know, but I I, I told her I'm going to check
14: it. Yeah, go ahead, George.
0: I told her I was going to check him out. And if he's if he uh, if I like what he was saying, if I like the show, then I would mention him on the show, you know. Uh, But, uh, you know, I would give a shout out to him. But I, I would have to listen to his podcast or his radio show uh before i can actually uh start uh, to uh promote him on the show i think that's what well i'll tell
14: you you know well you're right you're wise to do it uh, i have heard of kid kelly before that is uh, i think he he, he was on uh, uh z100 i think back in the day but um you yeah. know stress is uh stress is a very real thing you my my uh my father, when I was growing up, my youngest brother was always raising Kane, He was giving him, it actually made me think of, of him because of what you were playing. He was in, uh, he was in gangs growing up and um, he was he was in and out of jail with the police. He, he turned it all around now, thank God. But uh, my father went through terrible stress related illnesses. He had, um, you know, just issues with his stomach. I mean at one point yeah. it got really weird. He started like like jarring his own urine and, and I mean it got very bizarre, George. Very, very odd.
0: <laughs> I can imagine. All right. I wanna thank you for your call because we're running out of time here. I wanna George, give uh, a
14: big do you have a big cock. I mean, uh, I've, I've been meaning to ask you for a long time, uh, if you're if you if you're hung. Uh, because I, you do have a nice uh, voice, of course, George. Thank you. Um, and uh, I, I've always wondered uh, if you are well, uh, well endowed.
0: Uh, in the uh, well endowed. What do you mean? Uh, built or something like that, or uh, nice yeah, body or something yeah. like that? Yeah,
14: yeah. Well, um, see, I've been having, I haven't had a decent bowel movement in uh, about twenty years. And that's owing to stress.
1: The
0: Wilder Junior Show is now on the air. You
1: are my
7: No surprise that so many of us are utterly devastated. So far, the only person who's given a full account of what the president said yesterday is the
2: one Democrat who was president, who was president, Illinois Senator Dick.
7: When we think of the advances we've made, it is no surprise that so many of us are utterly devastated by the election of Donald Trump. I have been very clear about my opposition to this president. And everyone knows what I believe. I believe he is one of the most dishonorable, deceitful, and despicable people ever to hold public office. He has undermined the rule of law. He has isolated the United States' allies. He has decimated our country's standing and leadership around the world. He has empowered and emboldened white nationalists, racist criminals, and con men just like himself. He flew to Puerto Rico after the island was ravaged by a hurricane, insulted San Juan's mayor, and proceeded to throw paper towels at our fellow Americans who are to this day still trying to recover from that storm. He endorsed a pedophile that ran by the United States Senate and defended wife beaters on his White House staff. This man lies on a daily basis. And for all of the people and institutions he has insulted over the last two years, the only person he will not offend or criticize is Vladimir Putin. A brutal dictator who does not share our nation's interests around the world. Of course, none of this should surprise any of us because Donald Trump revealed and showed us who he is and what he was all about throughout his campaign. You may have heard that Donald Trump recently attacked me at the Grand Club dinner last week. And people are asking me, oh my goodness, what do you think about that? Well, I tell you what I think about it. I certainly expected him to do something like that. I don't know why it took him so long. Don't forget, this man who's disparaging me has been called stupid, ignorant, uninformed, unhinged, and a moron by his own staff and appointees. And so he had the nerve to attack me i'm in this fight i am not going to back down and i believe that all of us deserve better than donald trump i believe this country deserves better than donald trump i wanted everyone to know that they had a right to be angry about the election of trump that this president is not normal (laughs)
0: He's <laughs> not normal. You're but right about that, that.
7: All is not lost. All the way because to... Because each of us has the power to set this country back on track. I feel very confident and hopeful about the future because I know there are so many people here tonight and in cities and towns across the United States who are about to reclaim their time and reclaim this country. So... We are counting on all of you to show up during the 2018 midterms and vote for people who will restore this democracy and uphold everything that we have fought for to advance the LGBTQ equality. And ladies and gentlemen, vote again, blue. I keep bringing up Mueller's name because I have so much faith in him. I like the work that he's doing. I think he's going to get him.
1: Yeah. That's awesome. Thank
15: you, everybody. Russia, uh, representing Hollywood on that committee. Your thoughts at the end of one year and where we are as we've watched this week, Rudy Giuliani and others say not only that the investigation is illegitimate, but that when its findings are presented, he will, in fact, and the White House will, in fact, tear it to shreds. Well, I mean, we're, you know, this is breakneck speed for uh, an investigation of this magnitude. We've never seen anything like this. We have a foreign power uh, basically trying to undermine our democracy and the possibility that uh, uh, the President of the United States is in a, a conspiracy with that foreign power. This has never happened before in this country, and you can see why the other side is, is, is putting out a full court press because... Uh, they know that what 's coming down the pike conceivably is the biggest scandal in American history, and we are fighting right now for the soul of our democracy and I, I want to say one thing about what 's happening uh, in terms of the media. We can get into shock and awe, which is all about the you know uh, the free press and the attack on the free press and how difficult it is to get the truth out. If you guys look at your specific uh, ads that you have for your network there are two ads that you run which basically focus on the importance of a free and independent media and a free press we're on you're under attack the press is under attack and right now if you remove the ability to get the truth out then you're gonna have uh, the destruction of democracy we don't have any more uh, there's no checks and balances from coming from the Congress. Right now, the courts are holding, but this is the first time in American history where you have a state-run television, Fox, uh, Breitbart, uh, Sinclair, and Alex Jones aligned with the president of the United States. That's very, very tough. The battle lines have been drawn, and we're going to see whether or not democracy survives.
11: Rob, you know more than just about anyone about storytelling. And I wonder if you can sort of, I I know you know a lot of the granular details of the story about Russia's role in meddling in 2016. But I wonder just as storytellers, if the coalition you just listed, the president of the United States, his lemmings in, in the House, Uh, Republican uh, Freedom Caucus, who are doing his bidding, basically waging a war against the Trump appointee-led Justice Department, FBI, the network you just listed, are they doing a better job telling what is a false story than the truth-tellers are doing?
15: No, the truth-tellers are telling the better story. The problem is that when you've got 40% of the country that is only tuned in to the lies, and they are cemented it's very it's going to be very hard for the truth to break through when uh... all of the information comes out you have to understand this is a counterintelligence uh... investigation these things normally take years and years to unfold we're seeing, uh, Bob Mueller, uh, uh, work at breakneck speed. I mean, he's gotten, like you say, all these indictments and guilty pleas. And this is all within a period of a year. When you compare it to, uh, Benghazi four years, c- the Clinton investigation that eventually wound up with, uh, with an impeachment was six years. So, uh, this is one year and you just laid it out, Nicole, w- with, uh, the, the volume of what's happened in a year. It's astounding. I I do believe, and I, you know, go with your earlier guest, John Meacham, I have hope that democracy will survive. We've been tested before, but make no mistake about it, we are being tested right now, just to whether or not...
0: We sure are. We are totally being tested.
15: And as, as
0: he said, whether democracy survives or not, it, 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 time will tell, but we do have to change the direction of this country, folks. We do have to change the direction... It's up to us. It's up to the people of the United States, people of America, to change uh, the United States. Take it back from Trump. And the do-nothing Congress. The Congress that refuses to check and balance this guy. Checks and balances, that's their job. That's the uh, constitutional way. But as we all know, they don't give a damn about the Constitution. Vote blue. We have to vote these people out. Well, we're gonna lose our country. There's no doubt about it. We're gonna lose our country. We're gonna lose the Constitution. We're, we're gonna lose everything. We have to vote blue. We have to vote heavy. Trump is dangerous. He's silly. He's stupid. He's dumb. But he's dangerous. radio. I'm always having a wonderful time just like I told the last caller who wound up, who ended up being a kook. <laughs> uh, 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 it's a great time. It's a great time. It's it's a beautiful time. It's raining in the city of Chicago. I'm going to thank everybody for tuning in tomorrow and next month because I have a whole slew, fill, a full calendar, actually a full calendar of guests. So I want to say thanks to everybody who's called in. Thanks to everybody who's out there listening. And the George Wilder Jr. Show is now off the air. Thanks, everybody. Bye-bye. See you tomorrow.